Hello and welcome back to the No Limits podcast with Rick. Hope you've been having a great day so far. Today I am joined by good friends and fellow coach Michael Garcia. So Michael is one of the best coaches I know, 100% in the industry. He's um, a fantastic coach, fantastic bloke and coaches a lot of competitors and he's been uh, at the forefront of the coaching industry for quite a while um first got onto michael good friend of mine tom pollock actually recommended i give him a follow and that was a couple of years ago and then now we've built up a really good friendship and he's um helped me out a lot with my coaching and we've worked as a as a team helping each other out and it's been very very nice to have him on board and today we're going to get stuck into a little bit about coaching a little bit about Michael's personal progress and uh, competitions and Michael if you could introduce yourself my man yeah sure thanks for the introduction man um I didn't know that that's how you found me yeah 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 because yeah, I don't think I know Tom just the ghost follow man yeah he just said oh give this give this bloke a follow he shares really good stuff and I looked over and I think he had like a, a post that was like really just straight to the point and I was like okay yep I like this guy He's um he's not been around the bush so and then yeah just sort of ghost follow but then over time here we are yeah fucking oath yeah so um yeah my name's Michael I'm a coach uh, located in the northern suburbs of Melbourne so um we are located in Bundura for anyone who knows um obviously I met we met in Bali formally yeah, yeah we Best met in- time that, yeah. Yeah, so um, I started in the industry around 20, 2017. It was obviously original, not obviously, it was originally a side hustle to my full-time job, which was as a food technologist for Coles, um, which ultimately turned out to be obviously my full-time role as I went full-time in 2018 and had a crack at that. So started off as just an on-the-floor personal trainer in a local gym. Um, always kind of wanted to move into, I won't say the coaching space, but just to have, I guess, competitors, high-level clients, et cetera. I think my first ever, I had my first ever competitor in 2018 um, who actually did win a pro card, but um, that was a bit of a, I didn't take it as seriously as I should have. So Mm -hmm. it really doesn't sit on the resume as well as some of the other accolades have, but um, moving through that obviously went up to, so it was called MGF Nutrition and Training back then, um, moved into throughout lockdowns and stuff, ended up going more into the coaching space and then um, ultimately took the whole endeavor online i guess through 2022 with some of your help um yeah and then obviously established the coaching collective with a couple of uh trainers under me as well which has been nice and now focusing primarily on the uh competitors as much as i can yes. a lot of general population high level lifestyle clients who i really like working with as well so it's not just competitors but um that's typically what i am known for as well and um yeah i guess that's that's where i'm at now so it's been been a good eventful year actually that's it, my man. Now you've got your own place, like your own hub to to work from, and doing seminars. So take yeah. us a little bit through the um, the contest prep seminar. How was it running that for the first time? That was good, actually, man. That went a lot better than I expected it to go. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I think we ended up having about thirty spots free up because that's literally all. Real man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, and now we've got a little bit of the footage which we're going to pop up on like a bit of an education portal, which should be good. But um, yeah, to be fair, man, I remember when I was doing Eugene Teo's seminars back in like 2017. I'm sure yeah, you yeah. like I always said I wanted to do a like some kind of presenting, and um, to do that last week was quite cool because I sort of realized shit, like I actually have done this, and like 
you get the confidence after doing it once. Like now I have no doubt that I could continue to do it. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've already got plans out your next seminar. Yeah, to a degree, to a degree. Yeah, we're sort of trying to bridge that with, uh, like I mentioned, the education thing before, which I will probably share more info as that evolves. But um, yeah. yeah, so we ran that in the office. So we moved into the office space around uh, May, May. Yeah. And that was yeah. what we more of a, like a hub for clients to come to for posing podcast mm-hmm. um and obviously just a place to work because i got overworking from home so yeah it gets like that it's good to like break the like this is where i work and this is where i relax it's like what you sort of find during like a lockdown for not wanting really to bring that up but you know if you're working the room that you sleep in it does tend to really mix that emotion and you struggle to sleep because it's where you usually work and and vice versa so i think that's really cool man and you don't get to have your own coaching hub if you're an average coach it takes great success to be able to do something like that so if you could attribute your you know success as a coach to something what do you think that might be um look i would say look i had this conversation with a client yesterday a lot of uh a lot of the educational elements i feel like i consolidated earlier on um and i don't necessarily think being a great coach is what cause makes you a successful coach because i know i know some really good coaches like some really smart coaches who aren't Mm -hmm coaches and i'm going to go on i feel like the factor that you have for the clients the systems you have in place and the work ethic that you have is what actually takes you to the top i feel like if you had a really smart coach uh, this is exactly what i said to the client yesterday and a coach in the middle of the line yeah so Mm -hmm. coach skill set wise if the average coach cares for their clients has good systems and puts in the work they're going to get better results than the coach who's truly skilled does that make sense of course. If I to attribute to that, it's probably treating every client like the last client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually having the systems in place to make sure the process is quite smooth. Yeah, big time. Yeah, but the big one definitely for anyone who's entering the industry for me is just work ethic. Like I work, I can work 12 hour day sometimes. Like I, like we were saying before, I worked till 9, 9 9.30 last night, Saturday night. Um, yeah. And like to me, that's nothing. Like I don't, I don't care. I'm happy to do it. But a lot of people... Man, I've mentored people, yeah, and um, yeah. you can't even get them to put in any extra hours. And you sort takes of- me back to um, our friend that we had a dinner with in Bali, who's yeah. also a coach, and we were talking about you know business, what we do, and he was sort of like shitting on us. He's like, "Man, you guys, your business model is not not, not yeah. good. Like, you need to change that." Like how are you going to scale? Like you got too much time dedicated to each client. And then me and you were kind of just like, but we love this. Like, this is what we do. Like we're coaches. And he's mm-hmm. like, what? Like, really? Like, and and that's so true, man. Like you could be the smartest person in the, in mm-hmm. the world, you know, everything about contest prep, supplementation, nutrition training, PEDs. But if you're not personal and you don't show that you care, then your client's not going to care and people aren't going to gravitate towards you. And I think that's such a good insight without blowing my own head up a little bit, but I've got a friend in, in Bali, Bridget, and she's a WBFF pro and a lot of her friends in her circle are WBFF pros and or IFBB pros. And then I was speaking to her about coaching. And she's like, wow, like 
like I think she was meant to be a compliment and I'll take it as a compliment. She's like, you're not really known, but you're doing very well as a coach. Like how, like why? And exactly like what you mentioned, mm-hmm. being there for the clients, caring for the client, treating them like, you know, they're your only client. Mm-hmm. And at least having a baseline of knowledge to begin, of course, as well. But I think personal skills and care is the biggest thing when it comes to improving your coaching business. Yeah, you know what I also found interesting when I first, not when I first entered the industry, probably when I first got a bit deeper in it, a lot of the people you think are doing really well typically aren't. Mm-hmm. I found that big time too. You think these WBFF pros with 100,000 followers would have like thousands of clients, but they just don't. Yeah, because all they do is share photos of them topless and they don't provide value, they don't educate. Um, I was in a business mentorship when I first started with Mark Coles in the UK and there was some big names in there. Mm-hmm. And like you said, bro, there was people with like a hundred thousand followers and they're like, we would put up each week our review of like how many clients we have, what our current goal is, you know, what we're working on this week. Mm-hmm. It was like, almost like a check-in in a group setting. And there were people in there and it's like Instagram followers, hundred to 200,000 like clients, like eight. And yeah. they've been like coaching for, for for ages. So I guess that's a probably good takeaway for for people out there. If you're a coach mm-hmm. looking to start on my coaching business, followers isn't everything. It doesn't matter how much followers you have, really. It's it can help potentially, but it's not the, the be all and end all. Yeah, I, I I agree. I don't think it makes a difference. I have what three, three and a half. Yeah, you've got a deep one yeah, and I know people, like I said, with 50,000 who are scraping the sur- scratching the surface, you know. Um, I was going to say on that as well. I remember when I first realized was I told, I was talking to a friend of mine. You would know her, but I'm not going to obviously refer. Um, yeah. Talking to her about how many clients I was managing and she was like freaking out about it. And at the time I was sort of like, uh, isn't that like normal? Mm-hmm. And- yeah, yeah. and i'm like oh okay well i just assumed that like you're doing what i'm doing so you would be at the same page spot as me you know yeah yeah and like obviously as you know we don't really live lavish either so like you wouldn't have the impression that like from from an outsider's perspective you would never think that you're doing well i guess yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i guess that just goes again to show like how much we enjoy what we do we're not trying to you know show off like look how well we're doing because we just do that via being mm-hmm. a good coach. Yeah, man, I still live my parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. And like places I stay, yeah. I'm not, you know, staying at these fancy, crazy places in Bali or Thailand. And, you know, part of the reason I like being here is because it's so affordable, as we were discussing before. Like, you know, pricing in in like Gold Coast, for example, potentially mm-hmm. might be moving back down there in future. But it's so hard to justify. Yeah, I think in Bali the other week we were paying fifty bucks a night. Yeah, that was for that was a nice joint. It was nice, but it wasn't like people think. Oh, when they go to Bali, they live in villas and they got the pool, and it's like, nah, <laughs> I want some of this. That's all I care about. Yeah, need the internet connection. You need the the laptop. Usually a kitchen. Hundred megabits a second. Is that what it is? I always check that. I've been stung before. Oh yeah, I stayed. At one place, I stayed near Body Factory. I'm not sure if you noticed, whenever you're at Body Factory and you use your phone to like try to log your workouts, it's a bit, ev- a bit edgy. 
And then a place I stayed in the street because I thought, how good's this? But then the internet connection was made. It would take however long it would take me to usually do a check-in, it would like double that. Yeah, see, I couldn't deal with that. See, because you you notice this too, but in Bali, there's a lot of black spots. So if you get a bad accommodation spot, you can't even hotspot. No. Because yeah, it happens so, at the end so of the definitely if you're... I get a lot of questions about that, like, um, and that actually is one of the questions we got, but um, if you're looking to stay somewhere and you want to know like how you can still keep working well, definitely check the internet reviews on booking.com or Airbnb for sure. Cause that's a red flag. First thing I do. hundred percent. So that- one other, one other question we did get was um, how to, stay productive whilst traveling overseas. And I think this would be a good one to sort of flow in with how do you stay so productive with how busy you currently are? Because, man, you're doing so much at the moment. It feels like every time I go on Instagram, all I'm seeing is yours, Izzy, and James's posts, um, you know, the contest prep seminar, you're coaching a lot of competitors, you're managing a big book of clients. So if we could uh, tie the two in, like, Firstly, how you stay productive whilst overseas, which I think feel like I'll, I'll know your answer. And then um, how you just manage working so much and being so busy. Well, with traveling overseas, um, look, if you're going to a, in my view, I'm sure you can relate. When I go to a new location, okay, it can be a tough transition the first week. Chaos. Yeah, because you really want to enjoy it, yet you want to work as well. Um so that's typically, if we're looking to work, me and Isabel, we really try to just pick a location that we've been to a fair bit. This is not really necessary because of the way that we're wired. So for example, like last year I went to KL. You remember yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. I'm there Because that was actually my partner's birthday present. So it was, yeah. um, I reduced the books for the week um, deliberately. Um, but I still had some clients do, but what I would do is I would- It's I would, not what Isabel said. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely- <laughs> I think I was still working five till nine every day. Yeah. So trying to chip away because I think I pulled the books down to about 30 to 40% because of what I did at the time was I sort of cherry picked the clients that I knew were in critical phases, competing, yep. really would have cared about like not having a check-in for a week, whatever. Um, and the ones that didn't, I sort of said, hey, look, this is what's going on. Do you want to carry on? Or are you happy to hold the week? And most most of them said, yeah, that's fine. Um, but um yeah, in that new location, obviously it's a little bit harder, but let's get into like the the how we would typically do it. Um, I always find a pick a spot to stay where I know that I'm gonna have like an I can set up like an office kind of setting. So yeah. I always have the room to make sure that I do have that. And as soon as I arrive, I also try to find a facility or a facility, whether that be a cafe or a co-working space or whatever, where I'm comfortable working. So for the first few days, I'll try a few different things out and I'll try to find yeah. the least um the least. I guess invasive, distracting, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Come, and also as well where I can get food, food and coffee like I would in at home, yeah. yeah. Helps. Um, uh, I all and again one of the things that really helps with traveling for that as well because I have such an outlet at the back end of the day, I mm-hmm. feel like it's a lot easier to work through the day. So I typically my daytime go my nighttime. I got a lot of things I'm going to get into here. Um, so be every day for. Yeah, every day in Bali, when I was there, Bali specifically for instance, I wake up at 4.50 in the morning yep. and I start working by 5.15 every single day. Yeah, 
So I try to do a shift, a block of the morning. I'll have a little bit of a gap for like a mid-morning meal because my first meal is usually just something super simple in the room. Um, yeah. And then I'll get back into the afternoon block. We typically don't work at night as well. Every night I still do this here. I set out a task list. I do that through Mondays, monday.com. I don't know if you use that. I set I my, yeah. Sorry. Reminders. I just use reminders. So if I click it, then it removes. And I get yeah. that sort of dopamine rush that it's gone. Then sweet, we've got four things to go. And yeah. Mine looks green and it like flashes as cool as. Yeah. yeah. I use mine. Can't do like things via the laptop. Same with like Google Sheets, like with Joe, like Coach Joe's check-ins. Like I just do it all via the phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, um, Mondays I use because I can delegate. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So I always have my tasks of the night before. So every night before I either leave the office when I'm here or before I go to bed, I always write out a list of tasks I need to do the next day. And in my view, until I've completed that task, if I'm traveling, until I've completed all the tasks or all the tasks which I can complete, I'm not moving on to enjoying elements of the day. Like, because I, like I am working. And admittedly, I, work, I enjoy what I do. So it's not really a burden. In my view as well, if I'm traveling, the clients have still made a commitment to me. Okay. Yeah, I still course. have patience. It's not always about the fact that they're paying you, in my mm. view. Okay, so one thing that was sort of going off topic here. Um, let's say you're charging a client 100 bucks a week. It's just a round number, yeah? Yeah. And they're with you for 12 weeks. If you let them down at the end of 12 weeks, they're out of pocket $1,200. Nine times, mm. it's not going to make them poor. Yeah? Yeah. Make you rich either. Yeah. What? But you letting them down when they've come to you with a goal, which is very important to them, and they're coming to you as the guy who's going to make that happen that much that is significantly holds significantly more weight than what the money that they've lost has so 100 percent, yeah couldn't so agree more whenever i think of like delaying something for a client or half asking something for a client i never think no they're paying you michael i think no they've invested their trust in you to make this happen so to yeah. let on that and just to draw a more extreme example let's say you inquired to me for coaching and you said you wanted to compete or you wanted to help to get into good physique, get good, a good physique. If that happened to you, you're probably going to pack your bags and be like, this guy's shit. I'm going to the next guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But because we're, not, we, we're confident in ourselves and we know, we know how it all works. But if I get like an overweight guy who's been overweight for 10 years, has mm -hmm. never made that change. And then he does that and you do that to him at the end of that 12 weeks, they're probably not going to reach out to someone again because they're going to be almost crushed by it. Do you know 100%. what I mean? And they're the instances where you need to be more wary in my view, because you don't want someone to stop. And then they think, well, this guy's let me down. So I'm never going to reach out to someone again. And then, or they might not do it for years anyway. Yeah. So that sort of always keeps me motivated. Whenever I do check-ins as well, I always relate back when I'm feeling a bit flat about a check-in. I know I'm mm -hmm. tan tangenting. Go for it. Go for it. If I'm feeling a bit flat about a check-in, so I like might open a check-in on a Sunday morning. I had a night, I had might have had a night out, and I think I can't be fucked today, man. That happens. Mm -hmm. I open up there, so I'll open up the file. I go to their initial Q and A, and yeah, I, yeah. why, why are you reaching out for coaching? Why are you here? Yeah, and I always look at that person's why, and whenever I read that, it reminds me like no matter how you're feeling, they've chosen you to take them on this journey. You can't let them down. Does that make sense? 100% man I think about that all the time like I'll go through periods and like I mention this to clients sometimes as well like if um if they're a coach coach and they're asking like advice and it's like man like you don't know when I'm having the worst day of my life for example like you don't know if I'm like battling something what I'm going through when I get on a check-in like I want to be that energy to 
like you mentioned, help them get to where they want to go. And I do a very similar thing where I'll, I'll look back on their initial questionnaire uh, and then like try to build that emotion and and see like, all right, like viewing, I mentioned this in the last podcast where with, with Anthony, sorry, so two podcasts ago, where it's like, you want to coach an individual. You're not just coaching, you know, macros and training programs. Um, and I couldn't agree more, man. Like we're not always going to be fired up, but we got to bring that energy to get the result because essentially, you know, that's what the clients have invested in you in to deliver on. And that's probably something that ties in really well with the next question we had. So you've coached multiple competitors and and done extremely well with those competitors. So if you could say, you know, what three of the most important traits of a competitor would be from seeing the most successful competitors you've worked with, or even just high-level clients or, or anyone that just wants a result, what would you think the three most important traits are? Communication and transparency. That's a, I guess they're sort of similar. Yep. Communication and transparency is the number one. Um, like I can't prep someone well if I'm not, they're not communicating well with me. A lot of people will say like, I don't want to annoy you. I don't want to do this. And it's like, no, no, I want you to annoy me. <laughs> like if it's yeah. too much, like I'll just. It shows you care. If you're sending me too much potentially, I could leave, I just might lump a few replies together. You know what mm. I mean? If I really needed to. Um, but that typically doesn't happen. Um, number one would be communication. Number two would be just, I guess, level-headedness. Yeah. Sort of trust approaches yeah. to things. Stoicism. Yeah. Very important. Yeah, because I have you will have people get very emotional and try to induce changes um, and whatnot. And I guess that sort of ties in with them trusting the process as well. Yep. Because, yep. Um, yeah, it would be quite similar. I don't think that would be a third point. Yep. Would, yeah, yeah. They're, they're very similar because it's both like staying calm through the storm, not just trying to force things or rush things and then just trusting that you've hired in someone to to walk you through the process and and then that both allows you to stay calm trusting the process and remaining level-headed yeah 100%. and i must admit as soon as someone for me i don't know what you're like when someone doesn't trust the process it becomes very evident mm. and they throw a lot of ideas at you and they throw a lot of not demands but we'll say demands at you and things that they shouldn't, they should be doing. And for me, that that's, I don't work well like that. So as soon as that starts happening, if it happens too frequently mm -hmm. and recognize that this is probably not going to go how I want it to be. And this doesn't just apply to competitors. This applies yeah, yeah. But I've had general population clients do that kind of stuff with me. And it's reached a point where I've sat back and said, I'm not doing my job here. Like because I'm trying to feel like restricted because definitely there's a, a middle grounds where you can meet the client in the middle mm -hmm. where you know they might have some ideas around training that you know isn't optimal but you know they'll really enjoy it so they'll push themselves harder so you make those sort of like kind of compromises to to meet them in the middle but then sometimes you can compromise so much where you're like you know that that's not going to get them to where they want to go. Mm -hmm. And then you mention that to them, but then they're still like emotionally tied to, you know, a particular training style or a particular dieting strategy. And it's like, yeah, as a coach, you can feel constricted. I remember actually you mentioning that when we we're at the ICN competition and you said like um, sometimes the smartest clients are the toughest clients because then they'll put ideas to you and you're kind of like, well, well yeah, they can both work. And, and it can sometimes 
interrupt your flow. And I think um, like this is something that I've been, you know, doing with Anthony, who's like coaches with um, women now. Like I just give him full autonomy because I know that's when coaches do their best work. Not to say that clients, like, and I ask clients all the time when the training phase ends, if there's anything you really want kept in, anything you want removed, just let me know. Um, so they have that say, but they're also like, um, you know, I want to encourage that communication too, which I think is a really good element. So if you're someone that hasn't worked with a coach before or looking to to hire a coach, communication is massive. Like mm -hmm. that's something that, you know, you look over social media, it's all like trust the process, patience, all that stuff. But if you're not communicating with your coach or, you know, you're not checking in, like things like that, it can make it very hard to get to where you want to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, definitely. And the third one I was going to say, um, again, I'm going to just make this a two-point sort of answer as well. Work ethic, yeah. I want to say, but also their why needs to be enough. I went over this in depth at the seminar um, last week, like why they want to compete. My friend did a competition, so I'm going to compete. Yeah, why Look. it becomes, I think we have 10 for season B at the moment. And Fuck yeah, man. Well done become very very clear the ones who are doing it for the right reasons and the not the necessarily the wrong reasons mm -hmm. but their why isn't enough because to be fair like i could say it's the right or the wrong reasons no one to say whether their reason for doing it is right or wrong it's more the weight of why they are doing it and mm -hmm. the ones where the weight of the why is there it's like smooth sailing like it'll be like i feel like i feel I'm, I'm having a shit day i feel like shit but like i don't care do what you want to do as opposed mm. in other cases it becomes very messy um mm. and i think having a firm why and having conviction in your decisions is very important as a competitor because i've been there like when i did my last show which i pulled out of i was meant to yeah. my, i realized that the reason why i was doing it wasn't there because i couldn't work out why am i not enjoying this why do i keep wanting to slip up like, why am I happy to sacrifice like this and this, knowing that it's going to give me less than desirable results? And then I asked myself, why am I doing this? And for me, it was sort of more to uphold a promise to my clients. Like the promise was that like, I'm competing to show you guys this. Yeah. I realized it went on. My clients didn't really care. Like they, no. <laughs> they were already like impressed with how I was looking, impressed with what I'd done. Like, I don't think getting there in the end would have made a substantial difference on the way that they saw me. And actually, yeah. by pulling out and being transparent about it, I thought that was actually a better... Honourable, man. And, like, now it's actually a good story to tell because if I tell people the story of what I was getting put through by coach at the time, um, most mm -hmm. of them do that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. if you had told me at the start that's what I had been doing, I would have said, like, there's absolutely no way... And even then, like your why, from what I gather, sorry if I'm putting words in your mouth, wasn't as strong mm. as maybe it, it could have been. Maybe that's the wrong way to put it. But that trust in the process, staying level-headed, you still push through those things that, you know, were very tough. And I think that's definitely something to always anticipate with a contest prep that you're going to be put into positions where you're going to be doing things you really don't want to do. You're going to be underfed, overfatigued. Um, it's everything, the, getting the steps in, getting the cardio in, eating rations of food. <laughs> like It might get to that point. And the thing that's going to get you through is that stoicism, that calm mind, that communication with the coach, 
like you mentioned. So that way they can explain why you're doing what you're doing, what you're expected to see. Um, and then also on the final point where you mentioned, um, sorry, what was what was the final point you mentioned? I've just lost my thought. I lost my train of thought too. <laughs> Need another salty coffee. Um, communication, stoicism, trust in the process. The, the why. The why, sorry, exactly what I started with. Um, and then that why, that synergy helps you get through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Um, yeah, like I said, when it was for me, like, yeah, it just wasn't there in the end. And you see that, I see that in clients who, um, or just even individuals who compete um, mm. today when there's not, when that's the case, there's just not strong enough, um, but they need to realize themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is there, is there anything that you've changed your mind on recently with coaching competitors? Like in maybe in regards to like, maybe you go with a longer time frame. maybe mm -hmm. there's different nutrition, cardio or training strategies you've inc incorporated. Um, I always, the time frame has changed recently because I've started pulling people up to 20 to 24 weeks. Um, when I typically used to do 16 to 20, which is not really a significant change. Um, but I made a few mistakes with some guys and girls who I went with shorter preps with. I wouldn't say mistakes. I had one specific mistake. Um, mm. So plural is probably not correct. Um, in regards to application and output, I've sort of taken a more linearized approach where I tried to just get more predictability around the process rather than really try to go for rapid fat loss. Yeah. Um, yeah, which has been the reason I like that is because you can sort of plot out where you'll be at certain points rather than expecting the body to rapidly transform. Where you go like real hard with the fat loss at the start, then you pull back a little bit, but then it's like where you're going to catch it and then it can sort of, it does make sense. Like I remember Dean McKillop talking about it where it was like when you're, you know, you're freshest, you might as well push the hardest. But like you mentioned from a coaching perspective, it does add a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. yeah no there's there's a lot of different things that i have changed um like so for example i have some clients doing 200 minutes of cardio a week and i have some clients doing none um so one of the main things is like just very significant individualization um as well and then in obviously enhanced clients my practices have changed i won't say dramatically but like they have changed dramatically on that um mm -hmm. especially in regards to health intervention and just like uh just 100%. perhaps to, yeah, yeah. helps with prepping more enhanced individuals as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, get to ask me that with spe specifically. Off the top of my head, it wouldn't be, nothing's really specifically changed. I'm probably just a little bit more in touch with the variables that we need to manipulate than anything else. I've also yep. been a little bit less, a little bit more firm on, so I probably make fewer changes throughout the course of a prep with clients now than what I used to have. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed, like, so re in previous preps, I would make like relatively frequent changes. Now I have no hesitation in sort of saying nothing's changing this week. Outside, yeah. like, when I say nothing's changing, there'll always be changes to make the processes more manageable. Yeah. Or even just like suggestions where, like, like, you know, if it ain't broke, why fix it? But here's some areas that, like, we'll just keep an eye on this because this might become a little bit more challenging over the week to come. Um, maybe it might be a good idea to, you know, maybe push back your first meal a little bit more, things like that. And yeah, yeah I felt that was like something I definitely struggled with. Sorry to cut you off. That was something I definitely struggled with when I first started uh, coaching because I was like, I need to provide value. So I need to make changes where I think that shows true confidence as a coach where it's like, 
no, we can leave everything as is because it's clearly working and, you know, that's what we're here to do. As a coach, when I do have that, I just try to provide value in another in another form. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, I feel like I deserve that value. Even if it, if it means no programming change, it's like, cool, but I'm going to run you through this or run you through what we're going to do next time or run you through a bit of a timeline or whatever. Just because I feel like as well, if you are going through periods, it's like I have fewer of the boys on a lot of food in off seasons. And I see that. Paul, Paul, what's he on at the moment? He's over like 5,000. I got one of the boys on six, six something. But what's the most you've ever had a client eat? Six nine. Six nine. Far out. That's expensive. Young kid. Yeah. What yeah. do you from memory, do you know whereabouts the macros were? Um, for three hundred protein, a thousand yeah. carbs, and hundred and forty fats, something like that. But the <laughs> protein is not I don't really want it there. It's more it's just incidentals. Almost like a byproduct. And otherwise you're gonna be eating like a hundred grams of chicken with a meal. Like from direct protein sources to get that, yeah. like two grams per kilogram, like you'll be eating fuck all. Yeah, no. So he's, yeah, he's eating literally like he he's still, the meals are still small. I think there's only like 150 gram protein serves, like raw weight. Um, yeah. If I brought that down any lower, it just really just blands the meal out. Mm-hmm. That to him. He's already, yeah. But um, what was I going to say as well? Um, One of the things that I, is probably my, the biggest thing that I've learned in coaching competitors in the last 12 months maybe even six more so uh my brother and my partner are very uh very into bodybuilding like what i mean by into bodybuilding they watch every show worldwide like every federation so they've got a very very good idea of the desired look for each category yeah yeah one of the things which i realized is if you have the best coach who does care who does everything right but they can't like if they haven't got a good enough indication of where you need to be, mm. it's not going to work out. To You're not going to look your best because I feel like that's just as important because like I need to recognize, like I have Maddie at six weeks out, hypothetically. I need to recognize a standard that she's need, going to need to be at. And if she's four weeks her out. Category. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah. Like yeah. for her category, like, sorry yeah. to cut you off. That's something that, that definitely I've learned as well where it's like, okay, like if you're competing in bikini, like what are they looking for? Yeah, so you need to allocate correctly because a lot of the guys come to me and they say, I want to do classic. And it's like, you're not classic. <laughs> you're yeah, not, it's, but- a, it's a certain flow. It's a look. It's not yeah. like, I, I like Chris Bum said, I want to do classic. It's like, yeah, but are you, do you have what it takes to do well in classic? Yeah. Yeah, and then girls will be like, oh, I want to do this. And it's like, you're not, you can't do that. You're too muscular or you're not muscular enough. Mm. For example, let's say the Maddie was the example, like she's six weeks out and I need to be able to look at her and say, okay, cool. This is how much you have to come off to be competitive in this category, which we have decided to do. Um, Anything in my head or my perception, which it hasn't in case she's listening, changed. I need to be able to make the call and say, hey, I don't think this is appropriate for us to do because I don't think you're going to do too well. Like compared to what they're looking for, let's look at this instead. And like not everyone likes to hear that. Um, because like, especially guys, if you said to a guy, all right, you're not doing classic, you're doing open bodybuilding. They're like, fuck. Yeah. Like, cause obviously the standard takes a bit of a tilt North as well. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I feel like that's important as well. Um, the thing is true. I will add to that. Um, you'll probably get, get some implications here. Um, so you might pick a coach because of, you think that they do have that eye and they do have that skill set. If they don't care about you, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So if you are far more likely picking a coach with, you're far better off picking a coach with slightly less experience, slightly potentially less of a skill set. Okay. Who cares about you than one who has that upper hand, but potentially doesn't care about you. You need mm-hmm. to have a relationship with that coach because if they don't care, they're probably not going to get you there. Unless they have a lot of pride in their business and that would be an exception. But you would like to think, like I have a relationship with all my competitors or I try to anyway. I, I say I try to because um, some people just don't care for the relationship. Yeah, it's just like, just tell me what to do. I'll do it. Because there's a lot, because I, 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 um, I schedule calls with clients here and there. I was saying this to someone yesterday. So like I do, so clients can schedule calls with me at intervals when they want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and more often than not, the call is not to work through things. Occasionally it'll be to go through a timeline or because I'm doing a new split and I just say, I'd rather just get on the phone with you for five minutes or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. I've got questions and I think this will be better discussed. Um, so like, for example, just to give you an example, this happens a lot in enhanced clients. Like when I say, okay, we're thinking of doing this, jump on a call. I want you to understand it before you make that decision. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. use the calls nine times out of 10 to use more of as a, a, a opportunity to establish rapport for me. Yep to understand how the client ticks, to understand where they're at a little bit better, to understand um, what their thoughts are towards the processes at the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually found that like some clients I try so hard with to get that rapport and they're still great, but they just don't care. Like told what to do. They want as little time to be put in on their end as possible. Like, yeah, because remember I used to do the weekly calls with every client. Yeah, yeah. Rid of it. Like nine out of ten of them was like, I think I did a trial, and nine out of ten of the first week were like, oh fuck, that was way better. Like I don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Have to do this. Like, um, you're. Everyone's busy, man. Everyone's busy, and I think, um, yeah, I've got a a few clients like that, and it's it's almost like, initially, I'm like, is am I doing something wrong? Like. Or are they like not sticking to the plan and they're just not telling me? But then like I see their results is like, well, they're clearly sticking to the plan, but they're just so just straight to the point. It's just, it's very interesting about coaching and, you know, having the different personality types you work with. And you're almost like, like you mentioned, you go into each check-in, you've got to remember like, all right, who am I talking to here? Mm-hmm. What's their, how do I communicate to this individual to get the most out of them? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's really cool. I got one guy at the moment who I do not hear from at all, like at all. And I even message doesn't hardly even opens the message. Yeah. Yeah. First couple of weeks, I'm like, fuck, this guy signed up and he's useless. His check-ins are the best check-ins I get from anyone. He's just. I'm the same. (laughs) I've got a couple like that where, yeah, like I'll get the check-in. I'll be like, all right, it's probably just going to be blunt. And then it's, it's, man, this is so good. I'm loving it. Like I've never felt so strong and never felt so good. And it's just like, like I communicate with you in the week and you never usually get back to me or you're very blunt. <laughs> but then the check-ins, it's all good vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like clients that communicate. I like forming relationships with them. So um, mm. I don't. It is like I do start to think, all right, cool. Are they getting the most out of this? But like, mm-hmm. again, we just need to recognize, because I remember I was coached by, um when I was coached by Ben Kant, like a few years ago, um, yeah. still friends with Ben. Um, I remember I had one client who, or had multiple clients, but like who were half asking it, weren't really making progress, all this, that, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like hard, hardly applying themselves, check-ins. And I actually said to Ben. Oh, God, them. Yeah. And I said to Ben at the time, and I said, man, like I've got these clients, like I'm taking their money every week, like 
they're hardly trying. I'm like, mm. what? I feel bad. Like, should I present it to them? Should I get rid of them? And he said, you need to recognize that not everyone's idea of applying and getting value is the same as what yours is. He's like, not mm. everyone go balls to the wall 100%. Not everyone can do that. He's like, mm. for you, if you ask these clients, if you put this to these clients, they would come back and say, no, like I'm getting what I need. And I remember I actually asked a couple of them the next week on the phone. And one in particular, who I still coach today, it's been like three years, I still coach her. I yeah. said it and she said, Michael, like for me, like this keeps me in routine. This keeps me healthy. I might not be making the progress that I want, but without it, like it would be a shit show. And that's mm-hmm. recognize that like you don't need to be get losing a kilo a week or adding tissue every week or making PBs or whatever to be getting value because people will say as well, like, I guess it's a little bit of a plug for the both of us, but um, people will argue that coaching is expensive. Yeah. Mm. And to some, in some degree, I do agree to some degree. I do agree. Yeah. Yep. Um, but it's the, I charge myself according to like sli- a slightly above market, according to what I think I'm worth in comparison to what's out there. Not because yep. Necessarily because I think I'm worth whatever I'm charging. Okay. But you need to recognize that this process, it will it reflect it will reflect on almost every part of your life. Like it's how you go about your day-to-day, it's how you go about your thought processes. Obviously, obviously your nutrition, your training and whatnot as well. And I can tell you from experience, I've had four coaches. The periods in my life across those four coaches have always been heavily dictated by what they're, how they're coaching me, whether that be my mental approach to um, hardship or the enjoy good times, or it's not just in the training. So when more you, than just training and nutrition. So when you think of it like that, like it's, um, it's actually quite, it's an investment in yourself and it's quite reasonable. Best. Yeah. But it's the, the best yeah. investment you'll make is the best investment you can make is the one in yourself. Like the, it's so exciting when I get a client that comes on board that's new because I'm like, man, you're going to learn all the skills that took me years to learn in such a short duration of time. And that in itself is an investment. Like, And just the investment from the standpoint of, you know, having that peace of mind, yeah. you lower stress. So then how much better your other all other areas of life go? And that was a really good point you mentioned. And I think that was something that was very tough when I first started coaching too. And when I first got into industry, it was like, all right, everyone's going to be on point. Everyone's going to stick to the plan. I'm sure you know that's definitely not going to happen, <laughs> especially when you're new in the industry. And then I remember thinking like, wait, okay, I had a client. I'm not going to say his name for obvious reasons, but like yeah. he wasn't really sticking to the nutrition side of things, but I was coaching him in person. He'd come to the sessions and he was a good laugh. And then I was kind of like, man, like you're not going to get like where you want to go. Like if we're not, you know, sticking to nutrition, can we meet in the middle? He's like, man, like it's helping me not be on the bags on the weekends coming into these these coaching sessions. So it's almost like helping them, even if it means they're staying the same, they're not going backwards and to them that's progress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what that's exactly what I was implying before, and that's something I didn't. Yeah, it took me a long time to sort of grasp that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's between you got to need to make sure as well for clients in that position that they're still respecting your time. Because I, but um, you would think that like the client who hardly check in checks in, the client who hardly communicates, you would think to, to on on an outside aspect, you think fuck market, that's easy money. Yeah, no. you take it to me. I would rather 
have one of my like a polished client checking in, asking every question under the sun, and well, applying. That induces so much less stress in me than me having to chase a client twice, twice a day to say, check in, log your workout. Where are you? It wears you down. It wears you down. Like even last week, I think I cut off about six, seven clients. Yep. Because I had me again and I actually pitched to all of them and I said, Hey, look, what's going on? And because they were causing that level of stress in me, I just I couldn't do that. And Mm -hmm. admit my um partner was like, it's just, it's just easy money. Just take it. And I'm like the stress that that's causing me and taking away from the clients who are respecting my time is not worth it. And so- that just shows your care factor. And that's the sort of stuff that you go to sleep at night and you're like, what can I do to get this client to, to you know, like stick to the plan and like, you know, or, you know, communicate or things like that. And I joke about it and there's so often I'll do a check-in and I'll, I'll always say like, you know, if there's any questions or concerns like, or anything you'd like to ask for the week ahead, please just let me know. And I feel like I say that so often and I'll say it in the message as well when I send through their loom recording for their check-in, but it's, it's like you mentioned, it's peace of mind. It's knowing that the client can ask questions. And if a client ever apologizes for asking questions, it's like, no, like this is, this is good. Like it shows you care and and it helps me do my job too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the fine line there, just so people don't get confused with what I said, like there is the fine line between, yes, you can be like, there's no problems with sort of going at things at your own pace. And like, we completely respect that and we get it. And we, we like that. Yeah. But as soon as that crosses the line into like not respecting my time, your time, or mm. effort, that's when I think, it becomes a problem. Does that make sense? 100%, yeah. It's it's a fine line, but like understanding like not to mm-hmm. take the piss in a way because, you know, I'm, you got to be very cautious. Like I always think about like Joe's time, like whenever I send you check-in, it's like I want to make sure that like I get direct. Like I'm not messaging Joe on the weekends, random stuff that can wait until check-in day, for example, and things like that. So, yeah, I think that's a good move. Mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna add something else to that as well yeah oh well, back to the investment in the coach thing too a lot of people do sort of shop around for price is what i've noticed i'm not mm. sure that. I do it's the biggest red flag if someone like reaches out and the first thing they say is like, how much do you charge it's like i haven't even explained what i do how i can help you i don't even know what your goal is and i don't even know if i want to work with you um i get and um, usually i get that price ask questions like where are you focusing on? You're not focusing on what can get you there. Understand like you got to, you know, budget things in, but it's like, if that's the first question you ask, maybe consider what your true values are out of a coach and what you want to achieve. If you're shopping, yeah, if you're shopping for a coach and you're looking for a more affordable price and you're going to pick the coach that is more affordable, you're going to be let down because you need to look for the coach which gels with you and offers you the most value. I can, without blowing myself up, I can say that the value that I'm offering here, very few are comparable to, but mm-hmm. I find who opt for, like who potential potential clients who don't obviously don't end up becoming clients, go for that cheaper option. And whenever they do that, I sort of think, yeah, good luck to them. Send them a nice message, no problems, all the best. But I just Make think back. going to someone and realistically, Let's say there's a twenty dollar price difference. Mm. Wouldn't you rather just for twenty dollars go with the option where you see 
like the most value, the most suitable for you, where you're going to get the highest level of support, et cetera. hundred percent. Cause is there really going to be much more than that difference? Really? Yeah, like the price points here these days, you wouldn't be looking at, there would be a $30 bracket. I don't think many would go outside of that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But um, yeah, as soon as someone sort of says, what do you charge? I sort of know what kind of inquiry it is. Yeah. 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 I usually just say it straight away or I'll, because I'm just like, they're not going to want to jump on a call, but I'll put the option out there. But mm. yeah, it's um, it's mm. a red flag. I'm saying, um, do you want to jump on a call to discuss? Or sometimes I just flick it across. I don't really mind. I have it on my website anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you could say, what's been one of your hardest obstacles throughout your journey as a coach, mm -hmm. both in person and online? What do you think that might be? Oh. Admittedly, I didn't like in person at all towards the end. Mm -hmm. Very demoralized from it. Um, I could go into that as to why, but we'll save that for another time. Um, yeah. Obstacle man. I don't really know. Nothing's nothing of significance, if I had to be honest. Like I haven't had yep. some. Obviously, like the lockdowns didn't help, but at the same time, they were constructive towards it too. Um, every challenge that I've sort of been faced with, I've sort of overcome. So there's nothing that's really held me up um i think one of the things in regards to getting to where i want to be was accepting that i'm going to have to put in more hours per week than an average person i'm going to have to mm -hmm. be one more than an average person so like even my phone will go off in the mornings go off at nights whatever and i need to get back to those messages as well and one of the conversations i had with a client yesterday because he messaged me saying he runs his own business he's like are you working today and i said yeah and he's like cool i'm like why and he's like i just wanted to know how you keep yourself motivated to work in like on the weekends he's like don't yep. you because like i'm constantly torn into thinking i need to relax and i said mm. him when you sort of enjoy what you're doing your vision is clear like i don't even think about having a weekend off like mm, no it's just know, another day the only time i think about having a day off or a weekend off is when i just feel like i really need to unwind and that's just because maybe, i'm you may be a little bit burnt out or maybe your sleep hasn't been as good yeah, because I get that question. It's like, oh, so like, you know, what's on the for the weekend? Like I'm, you know, doing something interesting because I'm overseas, but it's literally like rinse and repeat. It's it's just like I'll have less work to do, but I'll still like, like we spoke about before, I'll still chip away on things that can probably like ease some stress throughout the week and doing a little bit every day um, definitely helps as opposed to like as much as society says like, yeah, take the weekend off, relax. But then if it adds more stress to your weekday, it's kind of like a uh, favorite gimme. There's a gotcha. Yeah. I do have actually now an answer that you said, what's one of the obstacles you face? It's not a clear obstacle. Um, there's probably heaps. If I sat here thinking about it, I'd come up with 10. But yeah. one of the turning points for me outside of business restructures and doing refining systems and things like that was um, initially when I was in coaching, um, there was two problems. So number one, I had a mentality where it was like, it's not broken, don't fix it. So I yep. get a little ask about how I could do things better. And mm. in a little bit of ego, I'd say, mate, I'm doing better than you. Like, why would I change anything? Yeah, that's yep. one thing, which I've sort of embraced now that I could have done better. Number two was outsourcing tasks, which don't necessarily need to be done by you. Yes. For me as well. I would have a lot of time restriction because I try to manage everything myself. So for example, if I wanted a website, I try to make my own website. The second that I started paying people to do these things for me, it freed up my time to coach. Okay. Yeah. That ultimately. High value stuff. 
yeah, so I could coach an extra five clients from freeing up one task, or I could put more effort into, I got, I'm looking at in front of my screen, James lays, I could put more effort into his check-in. So yeah. more effort into check-in week on week on week, and he's getting more value. He's more likely to say, Hey, yeah, my coach is really good. Like, you know what I mean? So as a mm -hmm. result, I found that by doing that and freeing up that time, my level of service went from here to here, even though mm -hmm. I sitting here and managing the tasks, I was essentially saving money and doing things how I want to do them. Do you get yeah. what I'm saying? Not to make it too easy. In regards to actually having issues in regards to coaching itself, I did have trouble getting into probably like coaching more competitors. Now yeah. uh, to steamroll because we had a few successes as did you the last couple of seasons. Um, yeah. But I feel like once you break through that and people start to have that trust in you and you've got that reputation, pretty much starts to snowball. And I remember I said it to Luke in Dubai, Luke Miller, and he yeah. said, until you need to start trying to get coach, like pros under you mm. start it because he wants to coach pro athletes rather than turn people pro now that's like his goal yeah, yeah, yeah. um and then i said like how did you do it and he's like it just comes you just need to keep keep chipping away and the hardest thing with competitors too is not everyone makes it stage so mm. now we have like 10 for season b i said but i think we had 14 to start with or maybe even more yeah. Good outcome for only losing four. That, that, that is like I think that's something to keep in mind if you're a competitor as well. And if it just so happens that you need to pull a prep for whatever reason, like it's okay. It is very common. It's very I did it. I did it. But like it's typically like I said, I see two reasons as to why. Like I had a girl pull out not long ago because she had a really bad uh knee issue and knee injury and she mm -hmm. keeps through, but um in her leg she wasn't really coming in. And yeah. I was or that was because of the knee, but there was definitely swelling at the knee and inflammation. And uh, she actually came in to do like an in-person check-in. And I was saying like, you've got a bit to come off the legs. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how plausible that's going to be with the knee. Like, let's just give it a week. Let's get you seeing someone. But then a week later, she sort of made the decision to pull the pin. So there's legitimate reasons. And then there's also reasons where, like I mentioned before, the why isn't there. Or sometimes people just bite off more than they can chew, man. Yeah, yeah. It's then, like... Some rise to the occasion, mm -hmm. but then also there definitely is a point where it's like you got so many outside stresses that you know stress is cumulative and it's affecting your ability to adhere to the prep. Um, yeah, because mm -hmm. I find it's um could just be out of um what's the word I'm looking for coincidence that a lot of the competitors i see are also individuals that have like extremely busy jobs like nursing for example and it's just like but they do it so i guess it shows that yeah it's all personal context when i get on an inquiry call with someone one of my first questions is always what you do for work and they probably think i'm just asking it because i'm just trying to make like conversation and get to know them yeah. it's actually like um me trying to gauge like the the different variables I'm going to have to maneuver and how they're going to go about it. If they're an office worker versus a roof plumber. Like there's going to be yeah, a completely I, different structure. Ask what they do and ask if they work for themselves. Mm. And that gives me an idea of, it gives me an idea of the time management. It gives me an idea of how well the potential coaching is going to work into their lifestyle. It gives me an idea of their financial availability, so on and so yep. forth. Okay. Because again, I like, you, as many of those boxes which can be ticked the better i always ask them the next question would always be what are your hours like like so what time do you start what time do you, um, do you so have you know what, what when they eat like when they train and this yeah. is before 
I've even done a consult. This is just me, inqu them inquiring. Because then when they tell me what they want to achieve, I can put two and two together. So for example, if someone says, I'm an apprentice and I do a lot of overtime, okay? Yeah. And they do an apprentice, do a lot of overtime. Okay, so, and they work Saturdays as well, okay? Number one, apprentice, wages are low. Yep. Mm -hmm. Weekends and overtime. Obviously, that doesn't really make sense because they're doing weekends and overtime. They're probably earning more. But let's just say wages are low for the sake of what I'm going to say. Wages Even then, you're not going to put them on like a six-day-per-week training program and eating scotch-filled steaks. Mm -hmm. So my point is that. And then I can see, okay, number one, yep, finance is low. Number two, time availability, time availability is low. Number three, levels outside of those work hours are also probably quite low. Number four, external exposures to like influence. So people with bad eating habits, et cetera, may be higher because they're obviously going to typically, typically be quite high in like a trade setting versus maybe a healthcare setting. Yeah. I was yeah. the, the what's the saying? I was like the the absolute odd one out. I'd sit in a, a shed with mm -hmm. a bunch of like 50 other tradies and I'd be the only one with like a Tupperware container of like food that you would say is quote unquote healthy. And I used to always like cop shit for it, but I think that built a lot of resilience as well because I just stuck to my guns. And then I saw over the years, eventually all the boys in my crew started eating a lot better. And then they would ask me like, oh, like how are you like growing so much? What's going on? It's like, look at like what you're eating versus what I'm eating and the lifestyle we live in. And they came across, but I think it definitely does have pressure. So is your environment set up for success? Yeah. So, and especially in this case, what I was going to draw the example to, and let's say I, they came across and said, I want to do an IFBB prep. Okay. Mm. So number one, I'm already going to, my first thing to them is going to be, okay, cool. Do you know the cost associated with an IFBB prep? And can you afford that? Not that mm. it's effectiveness. And obviously like gear is not super, yeah. but you need to factor in your supplementation, your blood work, all that stuff. So number one, yeah. I need box. Yep. Number two, I need to tick the box that like, okay, are you capable of doing your daily check-ins in time? Are you capable of, because obviously, especially in an IFBB or an enhanced situation, I need as much data as I can. Are you capable of five days doing cardio, um, having all your organization checks, that ticks that second box, so on and so forth. Are you not going to succumb to external pressures? And that's where all that becomes important. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what you're like, but for me, as soon as I get that inquiry, before that even goes to consultation, I want to collect all those little bits of information about them. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'd take notes of every single key point that I want to bring up that I think will be important and then run them through in the call. Yeah, because when I, there is times where they've said, this is my goal. And I've sort of said, I don't know if your lifestyle really fits the, fits the, that bill. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Typically, yeah. when you say that, they come back at you and say, no, 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 I want to do it. Like, as soon as you, as soon as you tell someone they can't do something, they can do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, think but that's, I think also a good thing with that is like giving the client the opportunity to be optimal. So you could almost be like, okay, if you think that you can manage it, let's give it a crack. And then, you know, if we find after the first initial phase of training that you can't do that, for example, like you can't train five days per week consistently, then, okay, we'll pull it off to four. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think that's good. Anyway. Yeah. Four days my entire last pro. Oh, I wish, man. I like my, my upcoming phase is six days per week, and I'm like, oh, no, I haven't done that in, in years because I've always had Monday and Fridays uh, off training because they're my biggest check-in days. Where now I'm kind of like, all right, let's roll through with the six days. I'll make it work. I'll train in the afternoons on Friday. So let's see how that goes. Yeah. No, I don't know, man. Six days would kill me. But no, if you've got the time, then. 
I don't. Yeah. But I'll make it work. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we got some listener questions. How are we going for time, by the way? You all good? Fine. Can we pause? Okay. Pause for one second. I will pause for one second. Pop this out. Back after a short piss break. And so with um, some listener questions we went through, went through a few of them. We basically covered a lot of them already. So um, from the Q&A and anonymous link, once again, with the anonymous link, got a lot of very questionable questions, which we won't go through. Um, but with the listener questions, any Netflix recommendations? Damn. Watch Netflix. I do. I do watch Netflix to some degree. Um, look, in regards to TV shows, I'm for, I haven't watched one in a while, actually, man. I think that just says a lot about my time management or time availability. I, should. Yeah. Um, I think the most recent show that I was watching was Slasher, which is a Netflix. Okay. It's a little bit brutal, but um, it goes into my next point. I do like my horrors. If you want a typical recommendation, on the way home from Bali, I watched The Pope's Exorcism. That was very good. Right. Yeah. This is um, showing how much of a tough guy I am. When I was younger, I cried watching Harry Potter because yeah. of the Dementors. Uh, I can't do horror movies. I don't get it, bro. Why do you like being scared? I don't know. I think it just gives me a rush. Okay. Okay. I just want to feel something. So I'll watch a horror movie. <laughs> but Sexism was one of the best I've watched in a long time. Okay. Yeah. Top three horror movies for anyone that likes horror movies. Um. The Omen, mm-hmm. my favorite. There's one on Netflix. I'm going to give that a quick Google search. Yeah, okay. go for it. Um, I'll remember it as soon as I see it. This was actually quite scary. Um, it should pop up here because it was rated the number one scariest of all time. That's how I found it. Really? Supposedly. I can't seem to find it now. The Omen is probably my favorite. The first horror movie I ever saw, which isn't really scary, but I'm still going to give it the credit, was probably uh, Freddy versus Jason. Okay, yeah, yeah. Scary at all. It's pretty crap. But um, yeah, still... Uh, Started the journey. Yeah. And um, if I had to pick one more, um, I probably would have to say The Pope's Exorcism. That was quite good. Okay. Yeah, that was quite So if you like horror movies, yeah. definitely give them a go. Yeah. <laughs> Going Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy versus Jason, but obviously that's a slasher kind of movie where they're um killing people, you know. Yeah. Other than that, rather than like your typical, because like I like the more supernatural ones. I'm still mm-hmm. this horror movie that I was just mentioning. No, I can't find it. Well, we even popped it up last night. Just memory's gone a bit crap. I don't know if you notice this, man, but when you get a little bit busier, your memory starts to go a little bit worse. Oh man, that's why I need to take notes for everything. Like any, like almost like every conversation I have with a client, I end up going to their their notes section and just adding in what we've discussed because I have that fear that I'm gonna re- re- like forget something important or even like names, bro. Like this is something I did when I first started coaching in person. I've still got the list to this day. Anytime like I meet someone and they say their name, I'll like I'll note down like their name and something short that we discussed. Because, man, I'm so bad with names, so I need to leverage technology. <laughs> Hopefully AI will come out with something where we can sort of just remember names and we don't need to rely on our memory. Same. And the movie's called Hereditary. Hereditary. Okay. I will not be watching that, um, but if you like horror movies, give it a crack. It's Hereditary, yeah. 
<laughs> All right. So one other one. I think this would be a really good one, man. I like this. So if you could be remembered for one thing, what would that be? I would probably say for my influence on the industry. Um, yeah. And as I mentioned briefly or touched on to some degree during the podcast, during the course of this recording um, is like, there are a lot of coaches who, so for example, there's some coaches who I know who are recognized to be really good, but the application is quite poor in regards to their care factor and whatnot. Um, mm. And there's a lot of, um, I want to say bro science, but just nonsense in the industry as well. I'd like to be known for, I guess, cleaning, cleaning that up to some degree and for yep. also impacting people's lives in a positive manner in regards to their ambition, whether that be in the fitness space or the bodybuilding space, so on and so forth. So that would mm -hmm. be, yeah. That's powerful, man. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a great way to push through. And I guess that probably answers the question with um, your client that was asking how you go about working on weekends and, you know, that purpose, mm -hmm. that's big, man. Well, what yeah. I was going to close that before with, before we moved on topics, like for me, keeping structure and keeping motivated while I'm traveling, I my why and my passion is enough for that to not even be. Yeah. I'll get that question a lot, like things like how how do you like stay on plan, you know, whilst you're traveling? How do you continue working so much whilst you're traveling? It's like, I, I want to give like a, a like answer that's going to provide a lot of value, but really it's like, that's the thing. It's because this is what I love to do. And there's always a way to make things work. If you got time for it, you can see the value in it. Um, this is what yeah. I dreamt of doing with my life from when I was like 19. So there's no, there's no reason why I can't, like it's no problems focusing. The only place in the world where I have trouble, I had trouble focusing was probably in Dubai. Okay. Yeah. I think the, but no, I don't think the think the, there was a different reason. The reason for that was they put me in a room. They upgraded me to a smoker's room. It smelled like cigarettes all night. Oh, like worst. four hour flight. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, fuck. Like, <laughs> like I don't want to today. And that was probably the worst I've been, but it was also like January 4th. Yeah, so that sort of time period, yeah. It wasn't like the most thrilling time of year to be putting in big days, especially in the new country, which is, I was by myself. It's very overwhelming because I remember I traveled to Dubai thinking it would be the same as traveling solo to like Indonesia. It's just not the same. What would the differences be? Do you just sort of, is it kind of like, because that's kind of how I felt with Japan when I went there. You, you you feel isolated in comparison. Like something special about Bali. You just like you feel like you're part of a community. But in Japan, I felt like all right, I'm I'm really an outsider here. That's exactly. I wasn't it. even allowed to go to the gyms. Yeah, I felt like there was no community. There was no one to talk to. I was by myself because the time zone was so different. Like after five o'clock, like I would have no one to talk to. Mm. Outside of like a couple of the guys I knew from there, but like they were with their partners, and like I didn't really want to break their balls. You know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, man. Hey, that's awesome. So, Michael, is there anything in the pipeline you've got coming up for whether yourself, coaching collective? I've <laughs> seen like, you know, this past year, bro, I've got to say big props to you because the growth you've made in the course of 12 months is absolutely insane. Um, it can show that, like you mentioned before, where if it ain't broke, why fix it mindset with business can sometimes hold you back because you have skyrocketed um, your application, your content, your coaching, everything, man. So big props to you. 
So is there anything in the pipeline listeners should know about? Um, we are working on a we are working on an education portal. Um, that's we've put the bare bones together throughout this week. We've touched on it. This upcoming week will be a little bit more into it. So that probably will be launched sometime soon as we'll be we'll be using the same portal to share like some snippets from our seminar. Um, mm-hmm. but we will be offering a few different communities, a few different courses, some different forums, etc. It's a work in progress, but um, that will be announced sometime soon. Um, some of the guys already know about it as we did touch on it at the seminar as well. Um, so yeah. there will be uh, free sections, paid sections. So one of the things we're working on, for example, is um, it's like a five-part PT course. Sick. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so like, for example, the first part we've done is very simple. It's just like doing your P- which PT cert to do, which gym to work out of, how to price yourself, like how to do this, how to do that. And the reason we want to start with that rather than go something real education heavy there are parts of the pt course which are going to be like how to nutrition how to do nutrition programming how to do training programming etc but mm-hmm. uh, i thought it's because there's something that's not really out there um it's an affordable price point and um like it i feel like we're more likely to get a little bit of attraction through what we've put together because i also done a little bit of research on it through mm. attracting other trainers rather than individuals yeah yep see our clients will have access to a lot of what we offer for nothing um Mm -hmm. but yeah so that's a bit of a work in progress we have a meeting about that tomorrow to sort of put some things in motion but that should be a couple of months off we hope yeah beautiful man this sounds unreal and aligns very well with making a a big big imprint on the industry in a positive way i think what we want to do we actually thought originally of doing like um some kind of pd support because obviously as you know there's a big the market for education there obviously there are other ones on offer um mm-hmm. but we just weren't sure because obviously it's a lot of work so we just weren't yeah, of lots of nuance lots yeah. of studies to re- re- refer to constantly yeah. updating things like you know things like semaglutide coming into the industry and things like that out of nowhere and uh, no, just want to make sure there's a bit more traction on the portal before we offer something like that mm-hmm and a few a few more people sort of online whether that be the free parts or the paid parts just to so then when we do offer that it's like oh these guys have a little bit of a reputation here so i'm going to trust them because otherwise as you know with that it's um going to be very people will question it a lot and they'll sort of doubt it yeah mm. yeah yeah just fair enough i guess that but um we'll see yeah that's it man if you could give one less shit tip for the listener to get more out of their, whether it's their training or nutrition or competitive goals, anything that you think would be a really good tip, maybe a good podcast you listen to, a good book or mindset tip. Okay, so one of my big tips that I have for busy people, okay, mm-hmm. when someone tells me too busy, they're too busy to do something, I think there's no way you're busier than me. So sometimes they might be, I don't know, but nine times out of 10, that's the case. Um, structure everything. So structure yep. your... So what I mean by structure your day is literally give yourself no reason to not tick boxes. You don't mm-hmm. need to embrace the mindset of a bodybuilder to tick boxes. Okay. All you Steps need to in, get your food in, get your training in. Right. You don't need to be thinking about it all day. This is that. All you need to do is you have your day, your time scheduled for training. You train that every day. You make an appointment like you would make anything else. Your food is prepared in advance and it's ready to go. So you literally just eat out a container when the clock strikes 12 or whatever time of day think about it yeah and then as soon as you you want to remove as much thought from the processes as you possibly can for me for example when i did my last prep i was pt so i was very time 
poor. Yeah. Mm. I would go to the extent of putting all my food for the week in plastic Tupperware containers just so mm. I could them out rather than washing them. Yep. And that might save me over 10, 15 minutes a day, but that 10, 15 minutes a day could have made, been the difference between me doing it and not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And by doing that, yeah, there's no, there's no reason why almost everyone can't do, can't do that. As long as you can get your training in throughout day, because I can assure you, you're going to waste more time trying to find somewhere to get something quick to eat than you are going to get your Tupperware and eat out of it. And meal prep should take an hour and a half, two hours max on a exactly. Sunday. Like just dedicating a short period of time on a Sunday. Yeah. And that saves so much time. It's almost like when we try to fix things, we make it worse. So we yeah. try like, oh, we'll just get things on the go. It's like it ends up messing with your head because you're fucking playing macro Tetris on my fitness pal trying to fit it all in. Yeah. And you got to like decide the decision fatigue, where the fuck am I going to go? Oh, am I going to be able to fit that in? So that's something I've definitely changed my mind on a lot mm -hmm. where I'm sort of shifting a little bit more away from flexible dieting and mm -hmm. more towards like flexible rigidity is what I would say, where it's like you've got your weekly structure of, of meals. So you don't have to fucking think about it. Like you mentioned, you, you get your steps in, you got a set time to train, you eat your food, you don't have to think about it, get the job done. And then maybe on the weekends, if you want to like, you know, make some crazy 45 million recipe protein pancakes, then cool. You got some more time to do so. Because I think that's a lot of people's, I don't want to say excuse, but like their sort of thing they lean on is like their story they tell themselves is, oh, I'm busy. Mm -hmm. Everyone's busy. Everyone's. That's the thing. Like I see it every single client. It's like, you're all busy. Mm. It's just the mindset around that busyness that's different. And then the clients, as I'm sure you're aware, that plan ahead, knowing that they're busy, get more, get more done and they're less stressed. So if you so I think you mentioned already, like Monday.com is what you use to structure out. Mm. Yeah. Cause that's something like I remember one time I was like overwhelmed with things. Mm. And then I structured it out on a Google calendar. I'm like, man, you're full of shit. Yeah. So I make it real. <laughs> Mondays, I find oh my mouse is broken. That's super annoying. Oh no! I love my Mondays. Like even like just even little tasks that I pop in there. Like even like the podcast. Yep. Posting a hoodie in the post. <laughs> things yeah, like, yeah. Take me ten seconds. I'm gonna go do that now. Like you know. So make it real. Exactly right. Yeah, but um, yeah, and the other thing I'd also say, just from a mindset perspective too. A lot of people will be super apprehensive to sort of apply themselves from a nutritive standpoint, tracking their training programming, et cetera. But they don't realize they're probably wasting like 10 hours a week in the gym for no progress for years and years on end. What's the point? Dude. Why would you not just rather do it right? Yeah, it's like you get the dopamine rush of like, I ticked that box, I trained. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, but you're already putting in the work. You're already in pain. Why not get some reward for it too? I, can't, I don't get that, man. That's hard. They're the just winging the training. Mm -hmm. No, I wouldn't. Just... It wasn't like a, I just feel like as well, if, if your ambition's not as well, this is sort of going off track. If your ambition's not composition-based or you don't really enjoy weight training yeah, yeah. in that manner, I almost feel like there's better options for just maintaining good health through exercise. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Be yeah. tennis, like hunting, whatever. Yeah like at least there in that in those areas you get a little bit of a sense of a, you get a communal sense yep it's a little bit more yeah. and um yeah it baffles me with some people man like they're just happy just to go through the motions spend all this time in the gym and 
really getting not a hell of a lot out of it. Mm. And then if they logged their workouts, they'd realize, oh, well, maybe they wouldn't, but like they'd realize like far out, I'm actually lifting the same weights all the time. No wonder I'm not growing or, you know, no wonder I'm losing muscle anytime I go into a deficit but then if you're not logging your training you're probably not logging your nutrition so you're probably just spinning your wheels on all fronts yeah no i agree yeah yeah my man michael very grateful to have you on as always my man and i'm sure we'll get another one in in future i'm looking forward to part two of our podcast on on your one so michael's podcast is really good too so definitely worth checking out he's got a a great host of people on there. And like you mentioned, I don't think there's a podcast in Australia that's got the um, like a better caliber of of uh, guests on there. So I'm sure we got some good ones in the pipeline. And um, mate, very grateful to have you on. Say it again. Very grateful to have you on, my man. Much for having me. Yeah. Well, um, were you back in Melbourne anytime soon? I don't have a date. No. We'll have to get. That's probably the best way to do it. Yeah, we'll do that, man. So um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, where can they find you, brother? Uh, Michael underscore Coaching Collective on Instagram. The website is teamcoachingcollective.com.au and then the the Coaching Collective podcast. That's it. Legend, Michael. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you. Enjoy. Yeah.